Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where we brave scanning the net to find all the deep history and lore of cyberpunk. I'm Toasty. A fixer that's new to Night City with a desire to jump into the details of this gritty setting. And I'm Genesis, an old school media tech with a love of character deep dives. Together, we will bring you the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future. We've got incoming. Let's Delta. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I'm your girl, Genesis, and with me, as always, is Toasty. Now, when you clicked on today's episode, did you think, new logo? Who dis? Oh my gosh. Thank you so, so very much, Day They Laid, for this amazing artwork. I absolutely love the way that we look and the wording on it, the like actual font of the word cyberpunk lore cast is bad ass. Oh, I love how he got your hair the right color white. And, you know, my hair is always up in a ponytail. So that's true to form. And of course, Dude, I'm wielding a shotgun. I got my like fucking whatever the fuck the term is for that, like the the two tone. Because mm-hmm. it's even got the dark hair at the top. So I know that's that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Day has watched got, me like, play cyberpunk, and so he knows that I am a shotgun girl. Like that. That is so me. Mm, I mean, like even like the details, like like the 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 bullets flying out of the gun. You have like a sticker on your jacket. Oh, maybe I haven't zoomed in enough. What is on my jacket? You have a little smiley face sticker on your jacket. Oh my gosh! I see this sticker. That is too cute. It's like. A little emoji guy sticking his tongue out with... Oh, those are vampire fangs. Oh, are they? Yeah. Or maybe that's his open mouth, but I'm going to take it as vampire fangs. There's a grenade oh, on my hip. He also made you taller than me because that's true canon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Of course, I'm, 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 a, I'm a fairly tall dude, you know. 
decently tall guy. Is what you're well, you're tall. I am too, right? You're like I'm five nine. Okay. I did I could remember. God damn. <laughs> I was like, I was like, five nine, is that correct? I don't know. Apparently yeah. it was. Cool. I can remember numbers. Surprising with all the lore that we store in our heads about so many different game series uh, that we can keep other simple facts in mind, too. But yeah, ugh, I'm so happy with this artwork, and I hope that you guys are, too. Uh, Day can be found on Twitter and also in the Robots Radio Network Discord, open and up for commissions. And I'm pretty sure that if you just tag him in the Discord, he will respond. And of course, I'll be posting pictures up on Twitter and up on the Discord as well to promote the new artwork. Thank you once again, Day. This episode, though, we've definitely got a a lot of lore to crunch through. All right. So there was a Patreon-only tangent. (laughs) But let's get into the actual lore we are here to talk about tonight. And that is staying in the Eastern Territories, uh, but jumping over to Korea. Well, this is interesting because it's just Korea. It's not North Korea. It's not South Korea. It bounces back and forth. I know. Yeah, they have a little bit of difficulty when it comes to deciding whether it's, you know, North and South, they're just a single united Korea. Uh, but yeah, th- that is the topic for tonight. Is is uh, what is at current a united Korea. But it wasn't always that way. Uh, so, um, as we know, uh, a lot of the, the history diverges in the 90s. Um, and this is kind of where this stuff starts uh a lot of the history from what i could see before the 90s is about the same for korea generally speaking you know the korean war and stuff like that so uh the collapse of both soviet and american governments which of course we know the collapse um and the political changes in the japanese government left the korean peninsula as a power vacuum South Korea finally had civilian presidents for a time and was thriving, while North Korea had been suffering under their outdated Marxist government system, and the people were starving. The new leader of North Korea, leader Kim, decided to take advantage of the world confusion and massed troops on the border. In 99, one of the two nations had crossed the border, and the Second Korean War began, a conflict that would last until 2005. The U.S. and Japan surreptitiously aided the South, while China was quietly aiding the North. The Hong... Hongguk? Hongguk? I believe Yeah, H-A-N-G-U-K. The Hongguk forces were ineffective, and the chosen Choson, C H O S O N, I believe. Okay. And the Choson troops were beginning to overrun the country. 
Finally, the Hanguk leader, General Ai, fired off the confused civilian leadership, used his rogue army first to take over the Hanguk government, and then went to win the war. He became the first united Korean president, but the new era of Korea began after his assassination. Yeah. Uh, so, moving on to, well, sort of the 2000s. Uh, united Korea was formed in 2005 after the South declared victory in the Second Korean War. By 2020, United Korea was a high-tech country with many corporations following the same methods as the Japanese Zaibatsus. Despite great success, Korea had conflict with many wanting to remain isolationist and refusing foreign influence, while others saw benefits in working with foreign relations. Um, These two different groups would uh, become known as the conservatives and the reformists conservatives of course being stay in country reformists trying to kind of branch out um korean traditionalists were bringing the country down sungen industries was the largest mega corporation dealing in weapons and vehicle manufacturing Sungin or sungan maybe uh held much influence and control of the country and was of few looking to change the country from its traditionalist ideas. Tonson Group, the second largest Korean megacorp, was fighting against change and any foreign involvement. Hmm. Obviously, we're seeing some some clash of the corporations here. Which, right. you know, it's fine, because that, like, that never turns out bad ever. So, like, it's not really a big deal. Yeah, no, not at all. The corporations can fight as much as they want. They never bring in people to fight their wars. Right, and this is fine. It's all good. Now, moving forward, in 2023, United Korea split shortly after the Koreas were divided again by the Fourth Corporate War. They had become strong isolationists, although North Korea was drawn into conflict by promises of Arasaka support. It had collapsed into the chaos of warlords and petty fiefdoms. During the war, the city of Busan, the largest port in the United Korea, was locked down by the government after Militech released a deadly virus that ravaged the city. Korea was unable to find any connections to whether the release was due to negligence or intentional. I don't know. I like. I feel like there's this. This is like a theme with like these like eastern cities uh, being completely messed up uh, by like deadly viruses. Because like, didn't we like? Wasn't Kara? Was it Hong Kong that was like that in a the, the in China? Um, they like completely messed up by a virus and so like and now that's like an abandoned city but like um that's all set it up as like her digital stronghold i think it was uh, i mean and i know that parts of canada were definitely wiped out by bio uh i think it was like bioengineered weaponry um because we were we talked about that during Alt's episode, and then also, yeah, Hong Kong definitely was. So maybe yeah. a lot maybe of biological warfare going on here. 
It's their weapon of choice. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, obviously, it's it's not confirmed whether it was negligence or intentional, but, like, pretty sure it's intentional. It seems like... It seems like... It, it's happened to so many other places, it's probably intentional. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So, moving on to the 2070s. Some point before 2070, the two Koreas united once again. In 2077, there it is, finally, <laughs> a Seoul, uh, like the, the city, um, Seoul in Korea, uh, based d- on South Korea, right? What's the South Korean city? I, believe. I think so, yeah. Um, um, although technically in this, it's just a Korean city. Um, mm-hmm. A Seoul-based detective unearthed satellite images showing signs of life in the city. Further research discovered that the life was automated machinery and robots carrying out their duties 50 years after the city was quarantined. Some like fallout level stuff right there. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Handy's still out there doing his job. Good job, Cogsworth. Mm -hmm. Oh, it also reminds me of like the soldiers, like the real world soldiers who didn't believe that the war was over. Because they had been out in the jungle and everything for such a long time, they didn't get the news. They are still out there mm-hmm. carrying out their duties. Yeah. Uh, bioengineers celebrated the first successful cloning of a cave lion, and it was scientists from Seoul, Yakuts, and Tokyo used genetic material from the remains of an ancient female lion discovered in a bog near Coloma River in northern Siberia. It is part also, of... Where's Yakutsk? Oh, that's a city, right? I think I so. Yakut. Well, the other two are cities, so I assume. Yakutsk. A Russian is... city. Yeah, the capital of Sakha, Russia. So it's the capital of like a state in Russia, I guess. Mm-hmm. So uh, moving on to more of the kind of structure of, um, you know, the government in this united Korea. Um, and obviously this changes a little bit but this is kind of the general one we see most of uh most stuff uh so united korea in 2020 was not a presidential parliamentary democracy it was dominated by nepotism and collusion in the military industrial complex it was dominated by nepotism and collusion in the military industrial complex the rampant kinshipism was based on the ethics of Confucianism. After World War II, the Hanguk government distributed American financial and military aid to specific clans. These clans were the beginnings of the Korean Zaibatsus. At the same time, bureaucrats and corporations were hand in pocket as the rapid expansion of the Hanguk economy was being directed along the policy lines of the military dictators. Hmm. basically i mean corporations have their hand in things um and then it's pretty dictatory um but in a kind of an 
Oh, it's an interesting way is the correct term there. Hmm. It's like military dictators. So military it's... dictators with an ethics based in religion. So Yeah. Granted, I feel like that that is a common theme with the dictators is usually with like religious reasons, you know. But many of the bureaucrats and corporates came out of the military. The elite officers were given the highest education, and so they rose to the top layers of society. Yang Ban in Risi Chosan kept their domination. Therefore, United Korean government customs were increasingly referred to as Neo-Yangbangism. That is Y-A-N-G-B-A-N-I-S-M. Uh, in 2020, the ruling classes were divided into two factions. One group trying to keep the growing movements out of Korea and the other trying to bring it in. The first group, the conservatives, were sure that the movement would corrupt Korea and cause social and economic collapse. They were pressing for austerity measures and to make it unhealthy to spend money freely on flashy, unnecessary foreign goods. The reformists believed that these new ideas would give Korea a much-needed boost of creativity and self-confidence to design and promote new Korean politics products as well as protect the peninsula from foreign domination economic or military unhealthy to spend money freely no <laughs> let me spend my money yeah. on what i want to spend it on <laughs> yeah pretty much i mean Let's move on to our mid-break, and then we'll come back and talk more about, like, the society and how the Korean people are. All right, we do have a new patron to to welcome in. Thank you so much, Reggie, as of just a few days ago. Very much appreciated, and welcome to the fam. Uh, I also have a review to read out that is a little bit older apparently we weren't getting copy we we weren't getting notifications for basically non-itunes left reviews so this one was actually left on audible back on december 6th of 2022 so it's been a minute sebastian so i apologize but i will read your review out now Uh, five stars to the next level i've been listening to the cyberpunk lorecast for a little over a year and a half getting close to two years i remember helping my son clean his room while listening to the two original hosts they were amazing love those guys I would always look forward to listening to the episodes with the patron members and the two people that would stick out were the were the new hosts. Toasty and Genesis, y'all are great. Sorry if I spell your name wrong. I'm using my microphone to do this. <laughs> I was really sad when the podcast went away. I would listen to old episodes even though I had already heard them. And when new episodes started coming out and there were new hosts... 
at first I was a little scared until they announced who they were. And I was like, okay, better to get somebody who we already know instead of new people we might hate. But I can tell you now, this show has gone to a whole nother level. I love hearing about Night City, new tech, and where the game might possibly go. One reason I love Cyberpunk 2077 is because one of the options is to go to Tucson, Arizona, which is my hometown. So I always choose that. But keep up the work, guys. You guys are amazing. Can't wait to hear next week's show. My name is Sebastian. I go by Phantom Desperado. Or, as American Idol would say, Seacrest out. Thank you, Sebastian, very, very much. Uh, Toasty, you definitely were in on quite a few of those patron chats back in the day. I was not on any of the original Cyberpunk patron chats, but I've been on uh, your other show on Witcher. I've been on those patron chats. Um, You might have also heard me on the Mass Effect Lorecast patron. I'm on those every month, too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was... uh... I only ever missed the first patron chat that was ever done for the Cyberpunk Lorecast. After that, I was there for every single one of them. So, jeez, gosh. I know, that was so long ago. That was four Was that 2020? Yeah, Uh, something like that around there. Because that's when Cyberpunk 2077 came out. And Mm -hmm. I started listening to that one after it came out. So... Damn. I know. Damn. It's been two and a half years. <laughs> Almost. But it keeps getting better and better. And uh, again, thank you so much for the very awesome review. And now that I know that I need to go check my Audible every once in a while for new reviews, I will add that there as well. Um, and of course, you can always leave us a review on iTunes. And give us a rating on Spotify. Our uh, our code for CPLC does still work at fanrolldice.com. They are an amazing dice company that sells accessories and anything that you could possibly need for any of your dice rolling games. <laughs> fanrolldice.com cplc at checkout alright let's get back into it and talk about the society so just uh, I figured I'd take a moment here to just give some further clarifications um, for some terms that I you know we said in the first half that uh you might be like, what, 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 is, what do these things mean? Uh, so, uh, Yangbanism um, refers to the separation of power between two different groups, civilian officials and military officials, um, and the power structure basically being aligned around that. So, you know, having your system of government being run by a collect like a collection of civilian officials, you know, like regular bureaucrats or whatever, and the military official, like the generals and stuff like that, um, is, you know, this United Korea is like 
essentially run by a military president. Um, so, um, and then uh, Zaibatsu um, refers to la, a large capitalist enterprise um, that were originally from Japan on um, the, the, the idea of Zabatsu does get transferred over to Korea, um, but it does originally originate with Japan um, before World War II. Um, and they are considered similar to uh, like a cartel, um, but just consisting of like a family dynamic kind of cartel. That is what a Zabatsu is. So, hmm. All right. Vocabulary toasty. I like it. But moving on uh, to the societal kind of structure, um, the culture of Korea is a shared cultural and historical heritage of Korea and Southern Manchuria as one of the oldest continuous cultures in the world, um, which is interesting. I didn't know that. Um, Koreans have passed down their traditional narratives in a variety of ways. Since 2005, North and South Korean states have been united after the war, freeing the people of North of the North from the regime. The practice of Korean shamanism was deeply rooted in Korean culture. Under the same flag, United Korea has been able to share more land to expand and create new structures. United Korea is the second most advanced country in the Pacific Rim Alliance, which the Pacific Rim is a giant uh, collection. Um, I'm not entirely sure if they're all in this alliance. Um, so I tried to look up the alliance itself, but I didn't get that specifically. I got the Pacific Rim, um, which includes uh, Japan. Uh, oh, I think it does because... North and South America are not in the actual Pacific Rim. I believe. Uh, so Japan, North America, South America, Republic of China, Soviet Union, United Korea, New Zealand, Taiwan, and the Philippines. Hmm. I also want to know, do we know what the United Korea flag itself looks like? Because you said like under the same flag, United Korea. I wonder if, do we know what um, the actual... It- so obviously this is a podcast only medium um so we're gonna do our best to describe it um so uh the flag that i can see at least um it appears to be a uh most like the middle part of it is like a white background and it has like thick red bars on the top and bottom with thin blue ones in between the red and the white and that's just like the big white center. And then there is um, a like yin yang symbol sort of in the center. It is facing to where the line is more horizontal than vertical, which we normally see it like as a more vertical like curve mm-hmm. um, in this like splitting the yin and the yang. Um, but instead of like the dots, uh, one half is blue. One half is red, and then there is a star that takes up the center, and then the colors are flipped. So in the red half of the circle, it is the, that half of the star is blue, and then the blue half of the circle, it is red. And then there is like little marks on the, like to the side of the stars. I don't know... <laughs> 
like it's a weird thing because it's like there's like there's a red collection of three horizontal lines and then right under that is like three of those lines but the top and the bottom one are split in half Mm. so like and then the other side is those three lines but the middle one is split in half and then on the bottom of that is the three lines but they're all split in half okay Probably I'm sure that has a lot of significance. Yeah, I was like that I yeah. don't understand, but <laughs> I could see that being uh that they have separated in the past, they've come together, they've separated again, but now they are united once again. So having multiple mm. different variations of separation and then the symbology in the center is very similar to the Confucianism symbology in like the real world religion of it. And so I could see that that also plays into it as well. This is really freaking cool. Like, okay. So what I am, I guess I just, I just did a quick Google search. Um, specifically the flag of South Korea. It has those marks around the circle. It has the same circle, the, the, the like, blue and red yin yang symbol without the dots and then it has those marks but they are kind of like at an angle around it rather than just flat so like that is the south korean flag the north korean flag is uh the like it's like blue uh at the top and bottom with very thin white stripe and then a big red center and then a star uh kind of off center of it so it is very much a combination of the two flags like put into one kind of central design and it is incorporating like the elements like the the red and the blue like big part of like the the north korean flag mm-hmm. um and then like so it's like changed those like symbols because on the south korean flag those lines are just all black um mm-hmm. but they have it alternating red and blue on the united korea flag so it's kind of like adding in the star and like the color scheme of the North Korean flag and kind of the like setup as far as like the background and then the elements of the South Korean flag put in it as well, like combined with that. So very, very interesting. Shout whoever out made to that. the artist who made that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say whoever, whoever made that, yeah, that's pretty, that was pretty intensive. That was pretty cool. So all right. Uh, so I think I'll follow that up with some of the economics and how that influence works. Uh, so Korea's economy in 2020 was large and had much influence despite its growing social issues and negative views towards foreign markets, including Japan. Its massive investment in education had taken the country from mass illiteracy to major international technological powerhouse. The country's national economic economy benefited from a highly skilled workforce and was among the most educated countries in the world with one of the highest percentages of its citizens holding a tertiary education degree, meaning like third level, so at least high school? Or do we think that that's a little bit of college as well? Because at least in the States, tertiary would be high school because you've got elementary, middle, and then high. I think it's just like primary and secondary and like 
uh, other nations generally. Like you have primary school, you have secondary school. So I think it's college. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, they like most citizens have college education. That's insanely amazing. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Korea's economy was one of the world's fastest growing and home to many large corporations such as the Sungan Industries, Tansun Group, and Hyundai. Hmm. I think I recognize never heard of that, that one. one. No, I never heard of that one. That's, that's brand new. Never heard of that. <laughs> I've never owned a Hyundai. I don't even know if I, I own anybody who has a Hyundai. I've owned one car in my life, so that's whatever. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just uh, a note on the uh, Zaibatsu influence that I was talking about before. Uh, during the Japanese occupation, Koreans learned many of the Japanese organizational structures, including the Zaibatsu structure. structure. And the, the Zaibatsu was perfectly suited for Korea's Confucianistic, family-oriented society, and they thrived after World War II. The Korean Zaibatsus were becoming some of the biggest in the 2020s. Okay, so the Republic of United Korea Armed Forces, also known as the ROK, R-O-U-K, Armed Forces, are the Armed Forces of United Korea. Well, duh. <laughs> the Roke Armed Forces is one of the largest standing armies in the world with a reported personnel strength of 7,450,000 in 2045. So maybe like after the time of the red, those numbers might be a little bit smaller, but... Uh, it is the second largest in the Pacific Rim Alliance. Now, the um, uh, of course, we're, I'm going to uh, make the very, very bold assumption that the because this is the second uh, best economy in the Pacific Rim Alliance and the second uh, best or, or the second strongest military. I'm going to take a personal guess and say that the strongest is Japan, maybe? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I know it's a bold assumption, but like, you know, if I had to guess. I mean, they do have at least one of those corporations there that, you know, I think they call themselves a mega corporation, but they could be one of the minor ones. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll find out when we get to Japan. Yeah, we'll find out. Now, the United Korea military is split into three. The Army, the Navy, and the Air Force. They have Marines, but they're under the Navy. Very similar to the United States uh, branches. Now, the President, General Park is the supreme commander. He directly orders the joint chiefs consisting of the top generals of each branch. The chairman of the UK, JCS, is usually from the Air Force, and it serves as the Secretary of Defense. The Korean Army has 65 divisions, totaling 
780,000 grunts. Each division has a general in charge. Most of the generals uh, were quite close with the late president, I, and so he maintains a strong influence on the United Korean military from the grave. Most of the army top levels are considered to be reformists, which uh, this is actually a very important aspect to the military of <laughs> Korea. Equipment is basically the same as the American army, but only the officers get to wear field armor. The grunts wear Kevlar. The local divisions and militia get second pickings with gear after the capital and border guards finish plucking out the choicest equipment. The locals are still using pre-war stuff like M16s and Kalashnikovs. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so fucking M16 is pre-war. It's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> you can sit yeah. like arts. I was like, oh, it's an M16, you know? <laughs> oh, and, you know, the grunts have to wear Kevlar. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> as if that's not good. Considerably in the, the cyberpunk tabletop, it's not. I think it has like an SP of like seven when you can get light armor jack, uh, like has 11. So like Kevlar is not great. Right. But I'm thinking like real world in comparison. Kevlar's I think maybe good. considering like, I guess it depends on the Kevlar, but if you think of it in like similar terms to our Kevlar and the like the advancements of weaponry, like can mm. Kevlar still reliably stop bullets whenever there's cyberpunk guns? Yeah, probably not. I mean, unless they're like basic, like like light light arms, like like handguns and things. But if like some like I'm have to imagine like 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 rifles and stuff that they're probably using like. Yeah. yeah. Especially you're fighting, you know, I don't know, like for example, the Japanese armor army who's probably got like a surplus of armor piercing kind of thing. Like I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe not, but I mean, I guess it's good enough or maybe just they're confident in their numbers because they have a lot of those. Right. And speaking of the numbers, the navy is also pretty damn big. Now, the Korean Navy has six fleets and three marine divisions. They are 100,000 Navy on the payroll, including some 32,000 30, yeah, 32, Marines. Each fleet is led by an admiral, and the Marines are led by generals. The inner struggle in the government has the Navy in a bind. The Air Force is dominated by the conservatives, and the Army has the reformists. And the Navy knows that they are being scoped by both sides. And recently, the reformists have been ganging, gaining the upper hand and are trying to separate the Marines from the Navy. Hmm. Yeah, so a lot of uh, inner like political conflict going on between the different branches of the military. Um, The Navy's main duty is to keep Korean waters safe. They fight the pirates and smugglers. They get to carry out onboard searches of suspected ships. Sometimes they accidentally stop Japanese fishermen in Japanese waters by mistake. 
Uh, they've never apologized for the accidental deaths that have occurred, much to the irritation of the Japanese. Well, yeah, you can't accidentally kill civilians and then not apologize for it. Well, you can, because that's exactly what they've been doing. Well, okay, you can't. Whether it's you rude, can doesn't for mean sure. that you should. Yeah, but they're not fans of the Japanese, if you can't tell. Which is bold. Bold to be enemies with Japan in cyberpunk in general. Yeah, but if you're number two, the only way to get more is to knock out number one. Or knock out all the other ones and incorporate them into your one massive, massive United Korea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take out number three through 300 and you'll probably outnumber number one no matter what. Exactly. Do you want to talk about the Air Force? Last but not least is the Air Force. Uh, the United Korean Air Force has 10 air divisions, numbering 80,000 troops. They are the wealthiest in the Korean military. Most of the airmen are Yangban elites. Their main duty is the defense of Korean airspace and aerial support for the Army and Navy. That. And as stated in the Navy section, um, they are primarily conservatives. Mm -hmm. um, so are pretty consistently butting heads with the army. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to think of the different branches of the army or the different branches of the military having political viewpoints. Like that to me is it's really interesting. Like there's no other word for it other than you know cuz you always try and relate information back to what you know and i was like what would it be like if our marines were you know people who want who believed in isolationism you know or what would it be like if our ground troops of the army were very conservative and you know yeah so it's 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 interesting to think about uh, but another branch is also the police. Uh, since the war, the military police have been the police. Uh, working under the tight military codes, the UK MPs are strict in interpreting the law. And they're pretty impossible to reason with. Not surprising, since accepting bribes is a class one offense for the military police, punishable by firing squad. That's fun. Uh, the oh, yeah. Great time. Uh, five star review on it. I don't know. Is Yelp a five star or ten star review? I don't fucking know. Uh, I never used it. Is it five? Hi. It's five. Awesome guess. I'm so smart. Uh, the military police are solely Yangban. Uh, the MP Provost General denies that it's discrimination. It's just that Yangban are best qualified for the job and have priority over the other branches. The MPs are under the direct command of the president, 
bypassing the Joint Chiefs. They're practically an Imperial Guard for the president. This is a big double-edged sword for the Koreans. The MPs can arrest any criminal, even politicians and generals, except for the president himself. So they have like pretty much absolute authority. <laughs> and I believe at the beginning of the episode, you talked about nepotism and how that played into it. I think that's yeah. this bit right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Now, most of the military police are originally from President I's personal force, the army. Now, the army might even be able to get away with assassinating President Park if they really needed to. That is why the army still has power, even though they're mostly reformists working for a conservative president. The military police generals attend all of the Joint Chiefs' staff meetings, even though they aren't governed by the JCS. They just go as observers. Uh, your average Korean doesn't get to use weapons except for non-lethal self-defense stuff, like tasers or mace sprayers, which I'm sure is super useful in a cyberpunk society. Uh Carrying knives, bows, and martial arts weapons aren't illegal, but will make the MPs perk up their ears. You can find many weapons at your local black marketers, usually stock scavenged from the war. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't risk it. I don't think I would risk it. If it, if it would be like, if, if the MPs would, it would draw their attention, I don't know about that. Right. Um, the ones that usually meet injustice with a firing squad to their own people yeah no they're, they're just gonna straight up murk me like I'm not gonna risk it yeah okay so the relationship between Japan and Korea now it is very complicated their cultures are actually rather similar at the base but both sides will dispute this vehemently. According to the survey that the WNS held in 2018, 52% of Koreans think of Japan as the enemy, and 53% think that the S SDF is the dangerous, metal-clad reincarnation of the Imperial Armies. This is in spite of the fact that the Japanese government has donated 8.5 billion, with a B, Eurobucks to help reconstruct United Korea since 2005. That's a lot of money for you to still be mad. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe not in the grand scheme of like a cyberpunk economy, but like. 8.5 billion? That is a lot of billion? money. But money can't always money. buy love, Toasty. I know, but it could, maybe it could buy a little bit of appreciation if like 8.5 <laughs> billion is donated to help reconstruct your entire country. But that's also assuming that the 8.5 wasn't 
squindled away by stupid people in a place of power who hoard money or use it to buy the frivolous things that the people aren't allowed to buy. Like, oh, how do we right. know that the you're money right. actually did what they wanted it to do? That's true, but like, I mean, even then, the uh, the ones that might squander away said money are also the ones that are uh, in charge. And uh, according to the information that we've been getting, the only ones that actually matter, apparently, um, with the you know civilian and military leadership that runs everything. Yeah, no, that's also yeah. valid. But you know, whatever you gotta you gotta vendetta. I guess it, money does nothing for it. Fair enough. Uh, it seems Korea also has a sore spot for the Japanese. The Korean media seek out possible slanders and imperialistic statements in Japanese politics and media like bloodhounds. Once they find something, they lash out with vigor about the impending invasion. The light side of Japanese life, such as aid by the government or nice stories about good relations between Japanese and Korean students, are ignored due to lack of sensationalism. Man, can't relate to that at all in modern media. Oh, wait. No. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I. that's fair. Uh, it's, it's something that modern media does. All the good stories are cast to the side because they're not as sensational as all the bad stuff. So. Yeah. There's actually, like, a lack of journalists out there right now. Uh, like, not enough people are there to report the news. So they could want to be reporting on... Like the amazing, what is considered the fluffy stories, the feel-good stories. But then that means that they wouldn't be able to report on some of the more negative things that people need to know. Oh, there's an active shooter in your neighborhood. That, to me, is a little bit more important than local 10-year-old paints a picture, you know? But yeah. Yeah. It sucks. Uh, author of View from Korea says that ones who suffer discrimination are the Japanese, not the Koreans. Their hatred of the Japanese existed before World War II or even the invasion by Toyotami Hiyadoshi. They believe that the Japanese are an inferior race, so they can't admit the fact that they've been beaten by them both militarily and economically. Japanese are a really nice scapegoat for Korean politics by using the holy phrase, remember the 36 years of domination by the emperor. They can silence most demonic Japanese. After a second Korean world, uh, after the second Korean War, the relationship between the two countries officially became better. So that's nice, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, well, one, it answers our question, didn't it? They didn't deal with the fact that the Japanese beat them both militarily and economically. Uh, so, you know, 
our bold assumption was correct. Um, but also, I, you know, the term officially, whenever you're talking about the, these kinds of levels of like political engagement, officially is a very specific term mm-hmm. to put as an I like a, a descriptive, you know, as you could say, the two the two countries became like the relationship became better, but no, officially, it became better on paper. On paper, and then that yeah. doesn't change. Like, how many millions of people are we talking in this population? Just because the government says that that's the way I need to feel doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way that the people are actually going to feel. Yeah. So, yeah, as, um, let's see, population of United Korea, 58.1 million. It's a lot. Japan is probably in the billions. I've never actually looked up the, the population of Japan, but it's probably insanely high. Well, 138 million. But Not still too bad. Double the population of Korea, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. 145 uh, million as documented in 2077. Hmm. So, hmm. that's a lot. It's a lot of people. That is. That is a hmm. lot, a lot of people. Hmm. Oh, well, do you have any final thoughts about Korea or? Anything that we've discussed tonight? It's very, like, I, I do, uh, I feel like a lot of the stuff um, with, because it's a very interesting, obviously, because, you know, considering um, the relationship between, like, the North and South Korea, like, in more, in, in our modern times, um, which... I can't remember. I it's was there like a I'd have to I'd have to look it up. It might be something for the I don't know, maybe for the I don't who knows. I can't I think they've actually started to possibly bridge ties. Isn't that a thing that I think was talked about recently? And like they actually like North Korea actually reached out um about possibly um you know not being as sucky as they have been. Specifically in the past, um, but no, it's very interesting seeing a lot of like the different dynamics of things we see in cyberpunk comparatively. Because uh, like North Korea, not very con- considered one of the higher like tier countries, you know. Um, but like South Korea specifically is pretty like. Uh, advanced in certain aspects or whatever like their like technology is pretty crazy like they have some like pretty crazy like technological things like i mean south korea is like the capital of video games um essentially like in the world uh and they have like i mean if you watch like um like actual like esports things or whatever like that they do in south korea like their their setups are just like crazy advanced like they have like holographic systems and stuff in, installed in like their like gaming theaters. It's like crazy. Um, oh, but holographic like, gaming sounds so cool. Yeah, but it's like it's just 
cool seeing like the dynamic between like some of these places that are generally like considered like lower echelon like in modern day and how they can like they've peaked in cyberpunk society mm-hmm. like i mean i mean we talked about it with like africa and the high riders or whatever like they're one of the most like prosperous and advanced like uh popular like countries in the or continents in the world in cyberpunk when like modern day a lot of it's still very like i mean third world countries so right and that there aren't people living in those parts of it you know it's like yeah i don't like the idea of pride rock being demolished for a space station but if that means that your people can grow too then yeah (laughs) i gotta look for that one (laughs) i was like what and then I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it took me a minute. It took me a minute. I've been watching too much Disney Channel recently. That is all me, though. Um, you know, I, I, I do like... It's so interesting uh, to see, like, what somebody's brain can think up of, like, okay, here's a major event and how the world is going to completely split off. And the fact that we have lore, we have ideas of all of these different countries, you know, each one of them, we've gotten a completely separate timeline and somebody actually thought all this shit. I'm not that creative. I can't do that. My brain doesn't work this way. So it's absolutely amazing to, just read what an alternate universe could be. Yeah. That's, I mean, but I guess that's kind of the whole point was, you know, getting in, in immersed in these, you know, crazy different possible realities that are like these universes that we love compared to our modern day. Um, yeah. I don't want to get immersed in modern day. I want to get immersed in other people's created universes. So. Yeah. But all right. I think we've definitely been going at it for a while tonight. Uh, so let's get it wrapped up. Uh, if you would like to hear more from me, you can find me on the Two Girls, One Ship podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. Uh, we've recently had a book author on the show to talk about how you can write romances um, in novel format. And that one was really, really interesting. Uh, her one of her most re- one of the books that's coming out soon is actually cyberpunk based. Like she said it in a cyberpunk themed um, setting. Uh, so that one is going to be really cool. Her most recent book is uh, 
Aphrodite and Hephaestus romance reimagined where they actually stay together. Uh, but they're gamers and that's their closeted hobby that they do together. Like she's the goddess of love and doesn't want anybody else to know that she's a huge freaking nerd and loves to play on console games. Yeah. So super cute. Aphrodite is an e-girl. Aphrodite is an e-girl. And Hephaestus is a retro console uh, collector. Yeah, well, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be. Uh, I, uh... I, um... I'm sure that the the book is actually going to be of, uh, the, or the, talking about the, the cyberpunk theme, or, or setting one. Uh, I'm sure it's probably going to come out as a, more of a, uh, healthier relationship but like i don't know i feel like at this point if it's cyberpunk i feel like i would just expect it to be highly toxic uh, but that's just me yeah well we can go fantasy within a fantasy a healthy cyberpunk relationship now that's fantasy yeah that's true <laughs> no yeah i was like i was thinking about it i was like man you know you see so many it's, 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 I don't think people are capable of having non-toxic relationships in a cyberpunk setting like alright Toasty where can the people find you um, I of course do the Witcher lore cast um, if you're a fan of the Witcher um, and, and that uh, also terribly uh, dystopian universe um and then also um i do the cyberpunk red live play podcast cyberpunked cyberpunk apostrophe d um you know man go check that out if you're a fan of cyberpunk which i have to imagine you are if you're listening to this episode right now yep and even if you're not a big Witcher fan, you can come listen to the mo one of the most recent episodes where I was on for a monster dating show and Toasty did not want to date my monster. Nope, nope, he did not. How do you expect? It was a noon wraith. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They're not very pretty. They're and not. They make you suffer from heat stroke. <laughs> And that sounds very unpleasant. It was one of the best Witcher monsters with boobs, okay? I had to go with something with boobs. <laughs> I thought about I do Brooks. appreciate that none of y'all copped out and picked, like, you know, one of the hot monsters. Because there are a few of them. I was like, ooh, I could go Bruxa or uh, Succubus or even, like, a high vampire. If you had gone Bruxa, it probably would have been game over for me. <laughs> I do or know just you. any vampire. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, you can go listen to me. Uh, somehow actually get every answer correct whenever I guessed everyone's stuff. So if you want to go listen to probably one of the wackiest Patreon chats I've ever participated in, she head on over there. And of course, at the end of every episode, we shout out Miracle of Sound. Uh, 
Oh, I believe just put out new music a couple of days ago. Uh, I don't know the exact release date, but uh, I was listening to it in my car earlier today. So go check him out. And we, of course, thank him for allowing his music to be used. And we used clips from Neon Red in every episode. So thanks for listening. And remember, stay safe and night sunny. Vault Dwellers, join me, Jax's sassy lady Romer, Eric, and the creator Maverick as we take topics from the Fallout universe and discuss them with other diverse individuals. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it using at FalloutRTD. You can send us an email using FalloutRTD at gmail.com. Join us. The conversation has already started.